sang last Sunday, Jason. And I'm going to tell him to watch out for his students. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you, Elizabeth, so much. For the past several weeks, we've been looking at God's great expectations for his children. Hopefully that's all of us here. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? What does God expect of us? <clears throat> and today we're going to go to a place not talked about too often. In fact, in preaching for roughly 35 years now, roughly not meaning 35 years, I just preach roughly. That's what I meant. <laughs> I think I've done this one time, just once. Today we're going to talk about fasting. If you want to leave during the prayer, I understand that we're about to pray, but I've done this once and I couldn't even find my notes about that one. So, let's pray together. Father, help us to want you. For that to be a priority in our lives. To connect as best we can, better than we have. Thank you that you want that. Thank you that you expect that. As we look at your word today, you, you deal with us as you want to. Thank you for being with us in Jesus' name. Amen. We love food, don't we? We love food. And we live in a great food town. Atlanta's a great food town. But I've lived in a great food town wherever I live. Louisville, Kentucky, Holston, Indiana, Akron, Mississippi, doesn't matter because I will find it because I... My name's David, and I'm addicted to food, and I want to <laughs> We plan vacations about where to eat. And we'll drive out of the way 100 miles because we want to get to Dreamland on Jug Factory Road in Tuscaloosa. Not the one in Rothwell. We want the one in Tuscaloosa. We'll go out of the way to get there. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all like food. Some eat to live, but most of us live to eat. I mean, let's face it, God has provided such an infinite variety of taste, and He designed you and me with taste buds. He must have known what He was getting us into when He made all of the stuff that He made, and creme brulee had to be part of creation, I promise. <laughs> so there's no question in my mind that God wanted us to enjoy eating. Uh, he made this world in color, not just in black and white, so we can enjoy his creation. And part of eating is enjoying his creation. Food is a good gift from God, not only because we enjoy it, but because it's a source of fellowship. Churches don't build food halls, they build fellowship halls, don't they? And what do you eat? do in a fellowship hall? You eat. Wednesday night, what did we do before Bible study? We ate. We're trying to do that once a month. And we had a great time and, and a good group and, uh, and wonderful help in doing that. Last night before breakthrough, we ate. And Kathy Yoakum took care of that. Carol Bennett, Carol Bennett, we thank them for doing all that they did. In John chapter 21, you might recall after the resurrection, that seven of the disciples were out fishing and Jesus came to the shore and spoke to them and they told them to move their nets and they didn't know who it was until they caught all the fish and figured out it was Jesus. And when they figured it out, they swam to him and he had a fire going on on his beach and he said,
said, come on the shore and said, come and have breakfast. Let's fellowship together. Let's eat. And you recall the Last Supper, they fellowshiped together before his crucifixion. They were eating. It's interesting. Remember what is told to us in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. You hear this verse a lot. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into you and eat with you and you with me. It, it's about a relationship. Christ is talking about coming into our hearts, but he uses that, that word eating because it's an intimate time of fellowship. I think also food can provide a, a certain amount of worship. Uh, when we eat together, Jeannie and I, or whoever I'm with, it's always a time of prayer. We Everything we eat is a gift from God, and we thank Him for it. The Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. So it's more than okay to enjoy eating. You don't have to eat much all your life to be spiritual. God created for us to enjoy. <laughs> Rabbis long ago in writings had an interesting statement. Some of them reacted against fasting. And they said this. They said, when you get to heaven and to the judgment seat, you'll have to answer to God for every good thing that you didn't eat. Think about what they're saying. you got to eat everything before you get to heaven. That's some Baptist rabbis right here talking about that. I mean, that's one way to look at it. So the next time you go out to dinner, you might just say, just bring me one of each. Just bring me everything because I've got to try it. Now that's one extreme. and Well, that can be a problem. Food can be a problem. I mean, think about it. When, when Satan wanted to tempt Adam and Eve, what do you use? Food. It looked good. Eating and drinking has always been a potential disaster. Noah had a problem with it. Esau sold his birthright for food. One meal. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 5, after being delivered from the Egyptians, and after seeing the hand of God in miracle after miracle, and after being fed from God himself by miraculous manna, the children of Israel said this. The people spoke against God and Moses saying, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. We want something else besides manna. And they complained to God himself who had taken care of them. So let's look at fasting. And first we're going to look at the wrong way to fast. Matthew 6, verses 16 and 18. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In this particular chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is confronting uh, hypocrisy in religion. And he picks out three illustrations. Uh, the giving of the Pharisees was hypocritical. Uh, that's in the first part of the chapter. We'll look at that. The praying was hypocritical. And finally the fasting is. So in Matthew 6, 2, Jesus said this. He said, whenever you give alms, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets so that they can be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward. So be careful how you give. 
And then about praying, in verse 5, he says, Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward. But in verse 16, the caution, Whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrite, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. So those three religions are talking about hypocrite illustrations are talking about hypocritical religion. There's a right way to give, to pray, to fast. A wrong way to do the same. The Pharisees and scribes and Jews of the day were, of Jesus were involved in lots of fasts. It was very common in their religious system, but it needed to be corrected. And so by the time Jesus arrives, fasting has become a big part of Jewish society and it had gone in the wrong direction. Sometimes in the Old Testament fasting was done by a nation, sometimes a small group, sometimes by an individual. But the Old Testament was full of them and, well, they started to get them wrong. Things had gone out of bounds when Jesus got there. So what started as a true and spontaneous and voluntary and heartfelt, heartfelt connection to God had turned into a hypocritical, self-righteous demonstration in front of other men. The religious masters made themselves just look so bad. So dismal that they paraded in town so everybody could see them. Look how special I am. My hair's messed up and I've got ashes on my head and these old clothes and I just look horrible, so I'm just way more spiritual than you is kind of what I'm okay. Look at this parable Jesus gave in Luke 18. This will shed some light on it. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like that tax I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, was beating his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves be humble, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The reason I read you that is because in verse 12, the Pharisee said something interesting. He said, I fast twice a week. Now that's not a biblical commandment to fast twice a week. Thank God it is none. <laughs> the Talmud, which is a book of rabbinic law from the second century, notes about history, tells us that the righteous fasted on the second and the fifth day. Do you know the real reason? I found this out this interesting the other day. Why they fasted on the second and the fifth day? If you look at Jewish history, in the city of Jerusalem, market day was on the second day and the fifth day. That's when everyone would be in town. And so when the Pharisee wanted to put on a show about how good he was, he wanted a big audience. And when everybody was in Jerusalem, that's when they would go so people would recognize how special they were in their own minds. Can't you see them? Walking through the streets with their hair all a mess, 
they get dirt all over themselves and ashes on their head and they moan and wail about they couldn't eat. And they parade around. Jesus is not impressed. By the way, about Jesus and fasting, this is interesting. We know he did. You know Jesus fasted one time 40 days and 40 nights. But in Matthew 9, a question came to Jesus about fasting. The disciples of John came to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus is saying, while I'm with them, it's no time to fast. There's no reason to mourn. They don't need to mourn. I'm with them. But one day they will. And I think that's a hint to one of the reasons why we might at times fast is when times of mourning come, and we'll talk about that in the moment. As far as I know, there's only one fast that is commanded in all the scripture. In the 16th chapter of the book of Leviticus, we read in the whole chapter about the Day of Atonement. Our Jewish friends call that Yom Kippur. And this is as far as I can see the only fast that's commanded in scripture, one day a year. But the New Testament never commands us to fast. And for Christians, there's no longer a Day of Atonement because Christ took care of that at the cross. We don't have to observe that. So that's done away with. But you get back to Matthew 6 where we are started. And Jesus said this. He said, when you fast. He doesn't say stop fasting. He doesn't say fast. He says, when you fast. Like when you pray. When you give. It's just a normal part of a spiritual life. The scripture does talk about a lot of people that fasted from the Old Testament to the New. Moses fasted, Samson, Samuel, Hannah, Saul, Jonathan, David, Elijah, Jehoshaphat, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, John the Baptist, Anna the, uh, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus himself fasted. That's a pretty impressive list of spiritual folks who fasted. And I think if they did it, Maybe I ought to as well. And there's a big list in contemporary Christianity of missionaries and pastors and leaders that have fasted, names that you would recognize. But the interesting thing about doing a sermon on fasting, I can't, I can't tell you any personal experiences because I think that would be wrong. I shouldn't tell you, well, I remember back in 2012 I fasted, but I, that just seems wrong to me. It's a very private thing that we are talking about today. I think the Lord knew that the times of fasting in our lives would not be over, would occur. And that after his death and resurrection and ascension that we would fast. And so I have to be careful. I've done it, but I can't tell you how long. But I'll tell you that I think it's a good idea. And let me tell you when I think it's a good idea. You remember in 2 Samuel when David's child with Bathsheba was sick and eventually died? Remember that? 
in 2 Samuel 12, 16, while the baby was sick. It says, David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted, and he went and lay all night on the ground. Can't you see him there? The baby might not make it, and he's frantic and <clears throat> fasting before God. I think as a parent or a grandparent or aunt and uncle, you can identify with that one, that you would do that. I can tell you right now, if that was my kid, I'd be on the ground too before God. And I might not make any food because I might not want any food. Sometimes I believe our bodies respond to the anxiety of our heart. I think that's true. The Hebrews used to talk about the fact that emotions were felt in the bowels. That's why the Bible tells about the bowels of compassion and the bowels of mercy. But anxiety and troubles in life affect our stomachs, don't they? Maybe you go to somebody in the hospital with a broken heart that has someone that is sick and in trouble. And you say, well, let's go get something to eat. And they say, I don't want to. And you insist, no, we need to go get something to eat. You might ought to leave them alone. Maybe that's something they're being in tune with God about. Maybe they don't need to eat. And maybe we should not force them. So fasting is often done when there's a great need. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's fear. We read on Wednesday night like long ago about Paul's guardian, Julius. And when they were in a storm on the ship, they fasted for quite a while because they were scared to death. So maybe fear that people fast when they need direction in their lives. After Jesus was baptized before his ministry began, Remember what he did? 40 days before he died. Fasting. Matthew 6, 17 and 18. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. What that's saying is just look normal. Don't let anybody know what's going on but you and God. So that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. Then it says, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you for seeking. I believe that. Don't you? Let's pray to God.